What's up, gamers? Welcome to Battle Mallet Podcast, episode 14, the Nova 2019 Saga, chapter 1. The Battle Mallet Podcast is a podcast delving into the minds of four busy gamers, their annual journey to the Nova Open, playing games, and balancing life with those games. I'm Jared Johnson, and I'm here with Trace Hyde. What's up? Jason Murray. Nurgle has set in. Oh, no. And Danny Clemens. Hey, now. You're an all-star? That's a little... Uh, or just, just a get generic your game hey now. <laughs> oh, you all just dated Go yourself. Go play. Uh, so bad. Anyway, so um, <laughs> this will be chapter one in an ongoing and yet-to-be-determined number of chapters um, chronicling our... Nova 2019 Adventures. So in this episode, uh, we're, we get the chance to sit down with Jimmy Molini uh, and talk to him about his Nova experience. Uh, he and Danny played together in the Lord of the Rings doubles, so we'll cover that. Uh, we'll talk to Danny about the Lord of the Rings team event that he played in, uh, and I think that's going to cover it. Uh, in future chapters, uh, we'll talk about Mine and Trace's Age of Sigmar doubles event, and the potential heretical influence it may or may not be having on me. Yes. Aha. Blasphemy. There it is. The alien. The plan is working. There it is. I was waiting for Jason to chime in. And uh, we'll talk uh, at length uh, to Jason about the 40K narrative event, since he played in most of that. And then uh, we'll all also speak to that, because Jason... Trace, Danny, and I. There are four of us. I know our names. Uh, <laughs> we all played in the doubles for that. Um, so I guess before we dig into the meat... damn it, hills are not terrain. Oh, there it is. Let's see, it <laughs> Later. starts now. Later. Oh. Oh. It, start, it starts now. Um, hills are not terrain. So I don't... I mean, I can personally say I have basically done nothing hobby-wise since... Uh, since Nova, other than play a handful of Underworlds games. But has I've, anybody else been doing anything, Trace? I have. I yeah. built and pre-shaded and primed all of my Warcry train. Nice. So that's done. Um, now I just got to go through and like dry brush and do some washes and stuff like that, and it'll be ready to go. I'm doing it in more of like the, the crane-colored theme that's on the other side of the work ride board okay. so um probably spatter some blood on there just yes. for fun. oh yeah so so call out i think it was is it it's aaron right is that the one who had his stuff posted like a month ago with the blood splatter uh local, local gamer aaron am i the only one oh yeah yeah, that? yeah 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 um, so his, you should his blood splatter looked really good yeah i'll look i'll look it up um yeah. but yeah so that's probably the plan is to get that stuff done, and then other hobby progress is to start organizing the the Great Purge of 2019. So you got to fund that Nova it. experience next year somehow. That's right. Well, yes, we only have so many kidneys. Yes, <laughs> and I have already sold one. So yeah, who needs the other one? It's fine. That's right. That's what dialysis is for. Hooray! <laughs> Wonders of modern technology. Come on, yes. All right, just I just have a robot kidney now. It's fine. Exactly. 
Danny yeah. Trace or Danny Jason. Gosh. <laughs> You're killing it. Man. Struggle I, uh, bus tonight, man. Yeah, man. Uh, I assembled all of my uh, Forge World Middle Earth strategy battle game miniatures that I bought at Nova, and that's nice. about all I've done. Nice. Uh, but I was reminded of how gloriously good Forge World models are, and uh, so that was kind of a nice reminder. Nice. Speaking yeah. of Forge World models, I might be purchasing some of those soon. Yeah, the um, the brutes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, those are the Diablos. Yeah, the yep. Diablos. Those are he, wicked good models. He talks about a purge and is like, and I'm gonna buy this. But those are in the thing that I'm keeping though. So Trace's house is like a nightclub, one in, one out. Yeah, there we so, go. Yeah. I they call my, it they call I the closet it, the so. warp. They call the closet the warp for a reason. That's funny. Yes, yeah, so do demons, demon models even count at that point, right? They're immaterial. Right. They're not yeah. even in there. <laughs> there you go. Problem They're just solved. manifestations of my emotions. That's all they are. Oh, yeah. So yeah. when I get mad, corn shows up. When there I get sick, go. there's Nurgle. You know, it's fine. It's fine. Jason? Uh, I've played a lot of games of Underworlds. Like, a lot of games. Nice. I can't believe that we just spent, you know a whole week playing at a convention, a comeback in the last two weeks. I mean, I've played quite a bit. I mean, we did have the announcement uh, of the rotation of season one cards, which then sparked some interest in like, Hmm, how do these decks function without them? Even though we don't have season three yet. Um, so I've been playing gets, uh, went over to Jimmy's house this past week and played some games against uh, Matt from crit death podcast um played some single games he played against jimmy a couple times and then honestly i had probably the best three-player game that i've ever had in underworlds it was you know most of those games come into you know pick on one person um the activations were pretty mixed between us um and there was a lot of critical defense roles made and the best rebound i've ever had um it was glorious. That card is now retired. I was going to say, send it out yeah. with a bang, yeah. right? Yeah. But it was. So it was like Jimmy uh, boosted up a um, a Reaver. I want to say it was Targar. Targar. Yeah. yeah. One of the dangles. And, and he comes in with uh, Hero Slayer because uh, my Grunin was up to four wounds, so he needed Hero Slayer. And then just because, you know, he put Potion of Rage on there for three dice. And something else. So he was doing seven damage. And seven. Uh, he. Yeah. Yeah, he was doing seven total damage to me. He rolled a crit and two hits. I rolled my defense die to see if I could get two crits. I got a crit and a block. And I'm like, oh, great. Here we go. Like, I've just wasted my dodge or my crit. Throw rebound and roll a crit um, to take him out and basically end, end, end the game. There was only. Uh, three models left on the board at the end of the, the game. It was back and forth and a lot of fun dice and hooping and hollering. So, um, yeah. And now I patiently await new models and cards to come out. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, as far as that, I really haven't done anything else. My models are still all in the bags, carrying boxes, spread around the hobby room. Haven't even put them back out on the shelves yet. You know, I'm really, really motivated, uh, but I do need to uh, 
because that commission deadline is coming up where I have to send off my models. Uh, uh, but I am contemplating switching to just paint all of my Underworld's Warbands. Underworld's Warbands. So. Uh, you should do it, Ben. Just do it. Just get them all knocked out. Because like, what happens is I fall behind, right? Like It's like, right. oh, I want to play Gits. And by the time I schedule it, get the money, schedule it, and then get them back, it's like we're on to something else. Like This is a prime opportunity to just say, get me all caught up, and yep. oh, here's the two new warbands, and I'm perfectly in line with the schedule. Like, get just paint them so then I can play with them as as it comes up. So yeah, that's a good idea. But, I like it. That's hobby progress for me. Cool. Well, um, well, why don't we take a break here, and then uh, when we come back, we'll we'll talk to Jimmy. We'll run through you know our standard questions and uh, talk to him about his uh, Nova experience as well. Welcome back. Um, as we mentioned in the introduction, we have Jimmy Molini, the uh, Gen Con Grand Clash winner with his Reavers deck of fame or infamy, depending on your tastes. Um, and we just want to welcome him to, welcome him to the show. And as is our custom, Jimmy, we've got a, a handful of questions for you uh, to let our listeners learn a little bit more about you um, as you join us in this episode. So we'll just jump right in and, and kick into it. So um, the first question we want to ask is, what is your first memory around board gaming? I think my first memory was uh, playing uh, chess with an uncle of mine when I was probably in grade school or something like that. But uh, uh, it wasn't very good. Uh, it was terrible, actually. <laughs> but I tried to get a little <laughs> better each time I played, each time I got my ass whooped. But um, uh, yeah, after that... Um, and dabbled in other games like i'm sure uh, like early board games like a lot of people did and then in high school transitioned uh to starting out with warhammer 40k and got introduced to miniature wargaming at that point um in college and uh, for a while after college i uh, took a little break and then um when i moved uh, to north carolina and got integrated with the community here uh, the gaming community here just started to get back into it and uh, play a variety of games cool cool that, that's interesting like i I did not know that story about you with your first experience being chess. Like I had the same experience when I was younger. My, my uncle who uh, is very good at math used to kick the crap out of me in chess on like a weekly basis. <laughs> I'm still terrible at chess though. <laughs> it's not hard. I mean, come on, Jason. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, all of the moves are the same. All of the pieces are the same. How complicated can it be? That's right. That's so easy. Yeah. yeah. Easier than the chess event in World of Warcraft. So. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Karazhan, come on. Brutally bad. Is That's it right. easier? I'm still here, y'all. <laughs> Is it easier than wizard chess from Harry Potter, though? That's the no. that's the important question. No. No, you're no. right. Respect. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so. You actually jumped the gun on my next question, Jimmy. So I don't know if you're like psychic or whatever. So the next one was going to be how you got into miniatures games, but you you dove into that. Um, so currently, you know the the game your your game of, of miniatures game of choice is Underworlds, right? Correct. Yeah. So um, you won the Grand Clash with Reavers. Um, you placed high at Nova with Stormcast, right? Fourth place, I think. Yeah, I was um, one of the four. I guess. 
semifinalist, right? Uh, yeah. Lost to the eventual winner, uh, Jonathan Davis. Uh, and, you know, shout out to him. Great job. Uh, and, yeah, finished uh, fourth. Okay. Yeah. So um, what's your favorite faction for Underworld? So either favorite faction to play, favorite faction because of the lore, um, or favorite for another reason? Yeah, it's, uh, I kind of I like a lot of them. I think a lot, a lot of the warbands are pretty cool. Um, my favorite um, is probably Steelheart's Champions, just because um, they're the first warband I painted, and I like the way I painted them. So uh, and it's a lot of fun. So, um, but yeah, I like a lot of them. Obviously, I like Reavers a lot. Um, um, yeah, Curse Breakers are okay. Um, I've uh, played Magors in the past, um, but yeah, really, I, I enjoy painting models a lot. So. If I have fun painting the warband, I'll uh, typically like them. Cool. That's awesome. Um, so as we mentioned before, um, now that we know you a little bit, um, we can kind of dive into, you know, your more recent experiences. Uh, you went to Gen Con and you won that, placed high at Nova. Um, so, you know, we, we want to ask, because we didn't get to go to Gen Con, um, you know, how does Nova compare to Gen Con? Like, so what's, you know, what was... What was good? What was bad? What was different? Um, you know, for our listeners that may get to travel and and go to these events. Yeah, they're um, a very different, uh, and uh, I think so. Gen Con, first of all, is a um, I think the largest um, board game convention in the planet, I believe. Okay. Um, I think there are about I don't even Aman told me how many exactly, but I think they're supposed to be somewhere around 50,000 people there in Indianapolis that weekend. It kind of, it's the largest convention period in that state every year oh, wow. of, of Indiana. Uh, so, uh, uh, and it, it's just, yeah, there, there's such a broad array of things going on um, that, uh, and I, I unfortunately wasn't able to really take advantage of um, uh, of a lot of it just because I was there for the Grand Clash and didn't really realize what Gen Con was all about. But um uh, if I go in the future, I certainly will because they're just, I mean, every company imaginable is there. They're all demoing new games, be it board games, be it miniatures games. Um, there's a lot of uh, um, role-playing game stuff. So it, it's just a whole experience. And there are a lot of you know, cosplay folks there. And it's a, it, it's fun. It's a fun you know, vibe to be around. Um, Nova is, at least from my understanding, just primarily competitive uh uh, tabletop wargaming right so it's all built around the tournaments um certainly you know you can a lot of the uh, companies have um places where you could you know buy some of new stuff there but it really is focused just around competitive play uh, which is also very cool obviously it's the reason why i went to gen con in the first place so um you know they're just very uh they're very different but um equally enjoyable in my mind and uh and we're both a lot of fun yeah that's cool um, well, Nova is our favorite, um, mostly because it's the one that we get to go to, um, just because of schedules <laughs> and everything. Um, and so we, you know, we all have different parts of the the whole Nova experience that we love. And uh, I'm curious to know what was your your favorite memory from uh, from Nova, whether that was uh, you know something social that you did or a particular game that you played, like whether it was one specific match in the a Grand Clash, food truck. a gnarly food truck. Yeah, no, I think the whole thing was was a lot of fun. I think, especially being relatively close to the DC area, um, after going to Nova for not just Underworld this past year, but for other games in the past, um, you see a lot of similar people, a lot of you know uh, familiar faces, and catching up with them is great. Um, 
uh, having the social time, uh, as you mentioned, over the course of, of four days is fun too, especially if you're playing multiple events, get to uh, talk to a bunch of different people, play games with a bunch of people, um, you know, have a good time. And it uh, really is kind of just an overall experience, not just, you know, not just one event. Oh, you certainly can make it about one event, but you're probably shorting yourself on um, on the opportunity uh, if you have the time to take a little bit longer because it's, uh, you know, the whole, the whole experience is a lot of fun. So uh, I, I like Nova a lot. Cool. That's awesome, man. Um... Yeah, and uh, you know we'll be there next year. Are you? Uh, is it in your on your calendar penciled in for next year? Or? Um, yeah, I um, I hope to make it. Uh, I have a baby; it's due like literally any day now. So right, uh, uh, and I kind of um, I, <laughs> I I committed a lot of marriage equity to uh, go to Nova, so so uh, <laughs> so near the due date. Um, so after committing a lot of that. I hope I'll be able to be allowed out of the house to go to Nova next year. Uh, I imagine <laughs> I will be, but uh, yeah. I, I don't want to promise anything. Yeah, that's fair. We we know how that goes. Yeah, that's it's a great point, and and like legitimately, the the call the call or the call from upstairs could come at any second, right? Yeah, we may have to cut this podcast short. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Uh, well, that's awesome. Well, so, so thanks for sharing, Jimmy. Um, you know, it's it's always. Uh, it's been a pleasure and a challenge every time I sit down across the table from you. Um, and I appreciate you taking the time to be on the show with us and let our listeners know more about who you are. Um, so we'll cut this segment here. Uh, we'll take a break. And when we get back, uh, I'll cut it over to Jason. And Jason's going to walk you or ask you about your Underworlds experience specifically uh, at Nova and your choices that you made there. So we'll take a break and we'll be right back. And we're back. It's time for me to lead the discussion, and I am super excited to be here with Jimmy tonight to uh, to talk about the Underworld's experience at Nova um, and to, to get into his mind and decision-making leading up to Nova and during Nova. So thanks again for joining us, Jimmy. Uh, are you ready to divulge all your inner workings and decisions to our three listeners? Sure. Won't, won't hey. take long, I promise. Hey, all of this is going to make me like a a neutral player <laughs> to, to bad player. <laughs> when the ceiling is this low, I can only go up. Right. <laughs> you may learn something. I mean, I'm just saying. You, Polish, you'll don't always, count on it. <laughs> you'll always be great in my heart, Danny. Don't yes, worry. that's all I wanted to hear. Um, so for our listeners, you know, uh, Jimmy leading up to Gen Con, I had the pleasure of getting thumped by the Reavers deck playing um, a vast majority of the warbands, like not everything, but but some things. So I got to experience the Shard Gales and your great decision-making on when to, to push, when to pull. Um, but leading up into Nova, you decided to change warbands. Like, why did you change warbands, and why did you select the warband that you did? Yeah, so I... Um, yeah, I think you guys probably know um, from playing me locally, um, I don't... At least with this game, I haven't stuck to one single warband, uh, at least not for an extended period of time. I guess kind of like switching it up. I think it's one of the cool things about the game. Um, you know, obviously, since you have to buy all the cards anyways, if you want to be competitive, you kind of have all the warbands. So um, being able to experiment with different stuff and, and try different things out, uh, I think that's a lot of fun. 
it's a different challenge too, right? I mean, it's good for me, you know, um, winning with uh, reverse is great, um, but in my mind, at least kind of how I, you know, um, look at it, it was like, well, I climbed that mountain, now let's, you know, try to you know, climb a different one or, or, you know, what have you. So uh, I was experimenting with different stuff. I the pool of war bands I was considering was uh, limited because I won't allow myself to go into any event or big event without the painted war bands. So I want to make sure they're painted. Um, I had um, I was actually and Jason knows this from a, lot, a couple of playtesting games we played um, in between Gen Con and, and Nova. Uh, was considering Farce Riders for about two weeks. Uh, in the end, I just didn't. Um, I don't know. It wasn't really clicking for me. Uh, I think I was building them probably just fine. And I played a few folks in TTS as well. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, uh, it wasn't really totally clicking. And then, uh, mo- but most importantly, I was just really behind on the painting. And as we'll talk about with, uh, uh, with Danny, I was way behind in the Lord of the Rings painting. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I wanted to find something that I had painted. I had painted up my curse breakers. I just needed to kind of, add a few things to them and put a display board together so um that just turned out to be a pretty uh easy fix um and uh you know their curse breakers are good so uh they kind of fit um both my desire to paint a painted warband and also desire to uh you know be competitive especially on short notice well awesome and and i know in play testing with the the stormcast or i'm sorry the curse breakers you um you kind of had one deck and then you change it but then because you were texting me legitimately up to about two hours before you showed up to nova you kept changing the deck like what what were you trying to get through there like i mean once again for for gen con you you had it nailed right away or you know up to like you definitely play tested it a lot like why were there so many changes with the with the storm sires yeah no uh good question (laughs) um uh and i I had all together probably about, I guess, um, eight games with the Curse Breakers that I'd played um, in the month before um, uh, before Nova, like between Gen Con and Nova. Uh, I had played like a specific type of aggro deck with you a couple times, and then um, and certainly learned a lot from it. wasn't again wasn't really happy with it, um, but was trying to make it work, uh, changing stuff of course each time we played. Yes, I um, also had the. Um, a benefit of being able to uh, play a few TTS games with uh, Justin from the Battlecast, who's a great guy, and um, was able to provide some of in- his insight as well, just like you. And uh, after, I think I played Justin like a couple days before Nova, like right before I um, uh, left home to cut uh, to head out for Nova. Uh, we'll head out for work first, then then Nova. Uh, so, <laughs> based on uh, kind of a few conversations with Justin and. You know, the stuff I played versus you uh, kind of came to a deck um, and a deck design that I was fairly happy with and continually changed a few cards here and there, as you know, uh, leading up to, um, you know, probably about uh, two hours before the actual event. Uh, but it w- what was actually pretty funny is that uh, apparently uh, Amon was doing the exact same thing with his Curse Breakers deck. Um, and then I guess he also decided maybe the day of what deck he wanted to run. Uh, and it turns out that we were within like five cards of each other. So it's interesting. Yeah, it is. I I mean, because you went from heavy aggro to then heavy casting to 
kind of the you know the blend that you you ended up with. So do, do you feel that any of that those changes hampered you at Nova? Like, I mean, obviously we all want to prepare more, but do you think that the decisions you made were the right for the meta you were walking into? Great question. Yeah, I um, uh, of course, you know, not having any I guess practice games with, with that specific deck, um, it would have been nice to have had a few practice games. But I mean, curse breakers are simple enough. I was certainly much more happy to have the final deck that I chose rather than uh, play it one of the previous decks I had ran, which you know I didn't really feel uh, great about. Uh, one of the decisions was to um, uh, take out ready for action and put in uh, illusory fighter. Um, one to help score a shortcut, which is you know such a great score immediately objective, um, but also allows me a lot of mobility. Uh, it's a you know I wouldn't uh, given the number of kind of starting hexes available to like larger warbands, like being more limited, right? If you have like five models, you just don't have that many. You have only two starting hexes available typically when you start the game. Um, I, I wouldn't play that card in larger model count warbands, but for um, any certainly any three model count warband, uh, I think it's an amazing card and provides a lot of mobility. And um, it was funny when I was playing uh, Max Bernstein in our last round uh, versus Molog, uh, before he would make a move or charge action with Molog, he would look at me and he, after the, after game one, when he found out I had a loser fighter, he would look at me and be like, do you have it in your hand? <laughs> <laughs> it, it became kind of so, um, you know, such a dominant theme of that game. And and in my mind, um, better, it performed better than Ready for Action would have in, in that deck and given the play style I had. So I uh, was pretty happy with that change. And, um, and yeah, overall happy with the way the deck performed. I think, um, you know, looking, looking back on it, I'm not, I'm not sure, um, if there are any, you know, specific changes I would make, uh, certainly with more, more play testing, perhaps I would have, but, um, but overall happy with how it, how it went. Well, great. So for you're very, for you know, our listeners that are not familiar and I think a lot of them are local to Raleigh, so they've probably played you a time or, or two. But you're a very consistent player, right? Like, like I, I'm astonished by the, your decision-making process in almost every game that we make. Like, um, it's just very efficient. So other than deck construction, if you were to give a player of Warhammer Underworlds one piece of advice that's crucial to the game, what do you think is the, the most important thing you you could give them it's a great question i mean you know everyone you know everyone has different styles of play right i think um you know it advice can be difficult to give because uh, um you know my style may be different from someone else's style right um uh, but uh, but in general one thing that i try to do uh in in gaming and you know i mean in, in any kind of competitive setting like this uh, like like this game so first of all, you kind of have to know what your own stuff does, right? If you know what your own stuff does, it allows you to kind of think more outside the box and, and be aware of other things. Uh, but once you know your own models and what they can do, uh, always you know take um, take pause during the game before and after activations and try to consider what your opponent's trying to do. Uh, and that when you do that, that'll often inform your own decisions. When you you know especially in, in this game, which has a best of three format, which is awesome, and I love it. Uh, you're able to kind of see what the opponent's trying to do in their strategy. Uh, try to, you know, see what they're trying to do and try to find ways that you can, you know, make that 
more difficult for them to accomplish their objectives. So uh, it'd be it, you know, not overexposing a few fighters or, um, you know, putting people on guard or not, you know, moving in a certain way or just drawing a power card. I mean, there are a variety of things you can do, but uh, you know, just be more aware and try to put yourself in the shoes of your opponent and kind of say, well, if I were them, what would I be trying to do here? And, uh, and then, you know, try to make that difficult. That is that is great advice. So, Danny, I hope you're taking notes. <laughs> yeah, all, that was all speaking Greek to me, man. <laughs> all right, but it seemed great. I... Good job. <laughs> um, I got to give Danny props. His uh, his I, I take pride in my painting, but compared to my warriors of Rohan, his, I mean, he made his Minas Tirith guys made my guys look like they're homeless people. It was impressive. Well, you didn't get to see my 40 K army. So <laughs> that was not complete. So don't oh, worry about th- it. This, this coming from the guy has one of the best non-metallic medals that I've, I've seen out there. So I would take the compliment where you can get them, Danny. Well, gee. <laughs> All right. Last question about underworlds. Like, so we played a lot of games. You played a lot of com- very competitive with some of the top players uh, in in the U.S. What was your favorite game moment or matchup? Oh wow, um, good question. I mean, there there were a lot of them. I think uh, you know, I mean, all, all my games are great, and and all the opponents were great. And that's one of the nice things about this community. I mean, I. I mean, everyone was a lot of fun to play against. Um, I hope I was fun to play against too. Uh, everyone has, uh, um, uh, and if you if you did that fun, you can keep that to yourself. I don't want to hear it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but everyone, the whole community was awesome and uh, enjoyed meeting everybody. As far as a favorite um, game experience, um, hmm. what a, I mean, I, I don't think, wanna, I don't want to yeah. read it, but I know one that I know sure. was really cool. Uh, didn't didn't you shard gale into um crown oh that's right yeah okay yeah yeah that, that was a pretty good one so game three in my um round with aman so we were in a mirror right and as i mentioned before we had you know we had very similar decks although um it was the differences were actually in my favor because my deck was a little more passive uh as so that kind of put um a mod a little bit on the back foot to start so it was kind of a bit of an uneven playing field in that mirror uh, which can happen in mirrors right and that's kind of the uh the shitty thing about them sometimes but um uh so f- the first two games were were close they were uh i won by a few glory the first one the second one it was a tie but he was on an objective and he won it and going into the third game it was uh yeah early on uh, the first two phases it was more or less close and i think we're pretty close on glory and it came to an important moment where he had gotten storm down to one wound uh he had a, i think two spells i don't know if it was his i think it was his fear of ashy and then um and he also had shard gale available uh to kill um to kill storm so storm started with two wounds in crown of avarice he um uh oh excuse me all right, all right i think i got it now storm had two wounds uh, in the power step um Amon Shard Guild got him down to one. Uh I put Crown of Avarice, I believe, then on Stormsire. Mm-hmm. Um and then um 
uh, okay, then because Ahmad wanted to guarantee his spell going off, because I think he was casting it with Rastus, um, instead of, you know, relegating it to a three-up, I think he played Gather the Storm for the innate, um, not knowing that I had Shardgale in my hand. So then the next step, I Shardgale killed Stormsire, uh, took the glory from Echo's Crown of Avarice, but because Amon didn't get the kill with Sphere of Ashy, didn't score Strange Demise, didn't score Death from Afar, and then didn't score Combination Strike from getting those two objectives. Yeah. So it was just a, a pretty monumental shift. We had a long discussion on, you know, whether he should have. Um, he, he knew I didn't hadn't played Shardgale, and there maybe I had the I had maybe three cards left in my hand, and maybe six left in in my power deck. Um, he wasn't sure if I had it. Uh, he at the same time like and maybe he should have just uh, cast it before you know um, uh, you know before going you know, allowing me that extra power step. Uh, it, it was it was a great discussion that we had. Uh, in the end, I think you know Jonathan Davis and Amon and I were kind of looking at the statistics, and it was either way. It was like seventy five percent odds one way or sixty six percent chance the other. So it was very tough decision, um, but it, it was fun that that game came down to kind of a very tenuous moment between good players like that so uh you know credit to Amon, he played very well and like i said he was um given our mirror in the deck designs and he i certainly was playing from the start with an advantage uh, just because i had happened to pick a few cards that would have benefited me in that scenario and you know not knowing of course that it would come to that i had actually was very surprised that Amon took uh courage breakers and, and, and likewise he was surprised i took him as well so uh he played very well that round yeah and i know i led you into it but the reason that I bring it up and I ask the question is because for me, like see, seeing two top tier Underworlds players and then getting the thought process behind all of the decisions is what makes the game so great to me. Like you knew like kind of the setup and like you're like, well, if I do this, then I'm going to deny you're going to gain a glory. and You're going to deny X, Y and Z. And then hearing Amon kind of say the same thing. He's like, well, I'm trying to get better chances of scoring three different um, objectives, knowing that Jimmy's got like this card, this card and this card, but I'm willing to take the risk. And cause it was the better odds. Um, it was just a, it was kind of a microcosm of why the game at a super high competitive level, you know, with some great players that know the, the game and deck construction inside and out, like just seeing that ebb and flow and like, the taunting and the thinking like not like in a bad way, but like, just like, I know he has this, so I'm going to do this and trying to like get you to show your hand before it happens. And then letting, letting the fates just take it is like, you know, you have three cards in your hand and you had shard gale and he kind of gambled that you didn't and, and it backfired on him. And then to see the game swing the way it did because of that one, the one choice is why I love this game. So thank you for, for yeah, sure. agreed. No, it, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to talk about afterwards. And you know, Mon was, you know, he was a, he was a great sport. You know, it's, it's tough losing any game, especially once you get to kind of that was, you know, that was, that was the first game in the final eight that kind of put me in the semis. And um, I know Amon was a little bummed about that, but we were, um, uh, yeah, we, we had a great discussion about it, and uh, it was just a very, very, very close game, close matchup. Always love playing against Amon. He's a great player. Um, yeah, I think he, I don't know, I think he, he had three or two or three curse breaker, no, three curse breaker mirrors, uh, that, uh, um, that tournament. 
as a, oh, wow. during, during Nova. I think, and, and it was all very good players. You played Victor twice and me. So it was all like people that ended up in the top eight. Um, and I think at Gen Con, out of like the 28 people there, there was one Curse Breakers player. And I was looking at a recent UK Grand Clash and they're out of, you know, 20, also whatever, 26 people there. Maybe there was one Curse Breaker there too. So it was really surprising that there's so many Curse Breakers players uh, there. I mean, they're they're still good, right? They're very, it's a very good warband. Uh, we were a little surprised there were so many at Nova, but um uh, yeah, it's kind of, it, it, that's just, that's, mirrors are no fun in general. So I, I um, it, it was funny, we were um, in the last round of the final eight. So uh, I had lost to uh, Jonathan Davis, so he and Dean were in the final. And um, uh, Max Bernstein and I had lost in the semis, and we're playing for, you know, whatever, third, fourth place, what, what have you. And uh, <laughs> we were, uh we were sitting next to Victor and Amon, who were playing uh, for the second time in the tournament. Because they had played, I think, game four of um, the the first segment before the the brackets. Um, and Amon kind of looked at me, and he's like, uh, "He's like, hey, you know, geez, guys, you want to just like switch it up, joking around?" And I like, I was, I was deadpan with like a completely serious face, like, "Dude, I have no interest in playing. I would rather play Molog, play an aggro <laughs> Molog than another than another Chris Breaker's mirror. It's not such a pain in the ass." So. Uh, um, yeah, it, it was. I didn't. I, I certainly uh, empathize with him having to go through that three times in a you know in a tough event with a lot of good players. That, that's a lot. Yeah, the the mirror is not fun. I had two Godsworn Hunt mirrors in my Nova experience, uh, which we'll elaborate in another segment. But just to tackle the mirror, the mirror in the game is not fun because it comes down to you know kind of activations and dice and one or two card choices because typically the decks are very similar so yeah no you, you're right it comes down to um a bit of deck construction right because a couple of different cards can make a uh can make a big difference but uh, and of course dice play probably a little more of a pronounced um a role in those games too but i think the most important thing is the order in which you draw your cards yeah. i think that's uh that really um is is a big deal like you know if 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 in a, in a curse breakers mirror right if you're you know if you're able to draw harness a storm early and your opponent is not you know that's a big deal right and there are other cards that have a you know similar effect so you know yeah. sphere of ashes sitting in the bottom of your deck or if you know there 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 are a ton of things that um can really influence those those types of close matchups especially when the players of are of a similar skill level yeah great point well, awesome. Uh, thank you for sharing your Warhammer Underworlds experience uh, at Nova uh, with us and our listeners. Uh, and more importantly, thank you for mopping the floor with me at every local event and on our TTS sparring matches. So really pay- appreciate you beating up on me. So thanks. <laughs> well, hey, hey, man, you are a wonderful and very magnanimous punching bag. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And, and to all of the listeners, like Jason's an excellent player. And uh, one of the reasons why you know I'm able to do well is because I have someone like him to, um, you know, play against on TTS and, and kind of sharpen, sharpen the tools with. So I uh, appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. Well, thank you. And I paid him to say that. So with that, we will move on and take a break. So be back in a few moments. Welcome back. So Danny. Yes. 
it was your first Nova experience, and you were a busy bee. Yeah. Uh, you, why don't you take a minute to tell us a little bit about what you thought about the Lord of the Rings stuff, because you're the only person who actually played in the Lord of the Rings events from our group. So kind of tell us what you went through and did. So I did the Lord of the Rings team event, and I did the Lord of the Rings doubles event with Jimmy. Okay. Uh, they were both uh, more casual games. They weren't uh, super competitive uh, mm-hmm. because I'm not a super competitive gamer. But uh, it was a lot of fun. It was kind of an overwhelming experience at times, and uh, it was a little intimidating because I had really played like one game of Lord of the Rings going into Nova. Uh, and so... I, I went into every game and said to every opponent, said, hey, I'm really new. Uh, I've barely played this. So if I'm doing anything wrong or if I'm accidentally cheating, like please just tell me and I will change and learn <laughs> because I don't know what I'm doing. And everybody was <laughs> super supportive and super nice. It was a really fun and welcoming community and uh, definitely owe a lot of my uh, Nova fun times to all of them. Well, that's awesome. So... It being your first experience and, you know, you play in a different game, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the opponents that you faced and what did you actually take with you for the team event? Uh, so, uh, well, well, I also kind of explain what the team event was because it's kind of a confusing thing, right? Say doubles okay, sure. and team event. Um, so doubles was a 2v2 tournament set up like any other kind of GT where you had your pairings and you got points for major victories and minor victories and draws and then each round they paired you up with somebody of similar points and then at the end they set us all into a ladder uh so that's pretty straightforward something i think probably most everybody uh could get with the team event was a more kind of uh casual event akin to a what would be like a narrative event and the way that it worked was when you got your ticket, you signed up for one of the sides of this team event. So you signed up as a member of the evil team or a member of the good team. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I am a boring man baby, I signed up for the good team. Uh, and I brought with me uh... <laughs> an army of Gondor, of Minas Tirith soldiers, uh, that basically consisted of one siege weapon, a bunch of foot soldiers, and uh, Faramir. Because uh, part of the rules for this event was that you couldn't have a member of the Fellowship in your army. Oh, okay. Because the event was all built around these six flashpoints on a map of Middle-earth. So at the start of each round, everybody would gather around this map, and they would be, there was like a, a poker chip in the Shire, a poker chip in Rivendell, a poker chip in Rohan, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And the captain send an army to one of those locations. And so uh, the first game I was sent to the Shire, and I was the defender of the Shire, and the evil team then sent an army to attack, knowing what I had. So we got the advantage of location, they got the advantage of matchup. That sounds and, cool. Yeah, and... The kind of fun thing about that was all the boards are super, uh, super detailed and super thematic. And so when you're in the Shire, you basically had to pick one of the three boards. You had like a, a Hobbiton board, a Bree board, and a um, 
a Midgewater Marsh board. And so you got to kind of pick one of those three of these kind of uh, thematic regional boards. And then once the round was over, everybody reconvened back around the map and you could only move an army from one city to another. Uh, and while this was going on, there was kind of a whole subplot where there was a guy who finished, I think, third at Articon, which is like the big Lord of the Rings tournament. And he was playing as the Fellowship. And he would move you know, each round to a new poker chip on the map. And if mm-hmm. he was at your poker chip, you got the Fellowship in your army, but he controlled them. And his whole mission was to get to the other side of the board. Oh, cool. So I, yeah. So my very first game, since I was in the, in the Shire... And Frodo's journey starts in the Shire. I had the Fellowship player, and what was neat about it was that the Fellowship was thematic. So, for my game, it was only the four hobbits and Aragorn, and Frodo didn't have Sting. He didn't have his mithril armor. Uh, Aragorn didn't have Andoril. They didn't have their elven cloaks, and so like they were kind of really squishy and not particularly deadly. Uh, they didn't have Gandalf or anything like that, and so. I basically just said to the guys that all right, like I'm super new, but I'll run blocker for you. Just just tell me who to hit and where to go, <laughs> and you you run to the other side of the table. And if the good team or if the fellowship made it to Mount Doom by the end of the game, uh, the good team already or automatically won. If at any point the evil team killed Frodo, the it was over. The whole campaign was over. So you had this kind of really fun excitement where. For every round, there was one table that everybody kind of had their eyes on because they wanted to see if uh, the Fellowship made it through. And there were some pretty cool epic moments where Gandalf had to fight off a Balrog because, of course... Oh, epic. Uh, yes, and apparently there was a moment where Frodo passed like a million crazy saves to survive being stomped on by a, a Mumakil and the big elephants. And so that was oh, apparently wow. quite the moment. I heard the hooting and hollering, did not see it happen live, but heard all the noise. Um and so, yeah, the whole idea was basically like the good guys are trying to help Frodo on his way, the bad guys are trying to kill Frodo, and then you had this kind of fun map element where you were trying to match up your armies as best as you could. And so my very first game, like I said, I had the Fellowship with me, and so there was a pro player on my side of the table, so that helped a lot to kind of walk me through it. And my opponent was, I forget his name, and I feel bad because I'm terrible with names in general, um... Like, in all honesty, was a teacher, would have kids at the end of the year that was like, I know who you are, but if you asked me what your name was right hey, now, I'd be you. like, hey, pal, sport, yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. buddy. Um, but he was the captain of the evil team, so he was another really good player. And so it was definitely a bit of an overwhelming experience because they knew the ins and outs of every rule and every model. And so they'd be like, yeah, just do this. And I was like, okay, I don't know what that means, but sure, I'm going to do this, and I'll roll this dice, and hopefully it works. Um, Hi, Captain. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, <clears throat> but So we played in Bree, and we got the Fellowship off the table. There was a bit of a moment of contention because the way that the, the, the rounds worked, they were kind of short, and so as long as there was... Uh, like the game ended on time, as long as there was like no feasible way for evil to have killed Frodo, then they counted it as if Frodo survived. Oh, and wow. there was a whole kind of argument, not like not an argument in the sense of like a blow up, just kind of a disagreement as to whether it was obvious that Frodo would have 
survived at the end of our game. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was when you guys came down and they were all discussing that. And I kind of just stood in the corner. I was like, okay. Yeah, I remember walking up and you just being away. like, I'm just sitting here for a minute letting these guys talk about <laughs> I just remember we walked over and checked on you and you're like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I literally so. was like, I have no idea if he would have made it or not. So let's count it as a win for me. And that was the moment when I walked away and we came back up to the to the rooftop bar and I was like, Danny may need a drink. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't, I couldn't quite tell if you were having fun or not. But um, why don't you tell us more about the other games? Because I think it turned around for you, didn't it? Yeah. So after that, um, that uh, the next game, I ended up staying in the Shire for my entire experience. So I got to play on all three Shire boards. Oh, wow. And, um, and so the next game uh, I played in Hobbiton. And so you had all the cool Hobbit holes and all of that. And uh, my opponent, fittingly, was a a guy who just made a fun list of, I think it was like 90 ruffians. So like oh, wow. crappy humans that were drunkards and stuff. Like everything hit on sixes and everything. So they were like really, really crappy. But he just had a ton of them. And to have 90 models in the Lord of the Rings game is kind of insane. And uh, that was just a lot of fun because it was just mayhem. And we were that mission, basically, we were trying to capture the flag. So you had to kind of go to the other person's deployment zone in the other corner. Mm-hmm. And I had my uh, my machine guns at the ready just mowing down ruffians. And then he had so many bodies that I couldn't break through his line. So it was just this kind of quagmire in the middle of just death and destruction and it was a lot of fun though because he was super friendly he had come out from chicago and he he came out right out the gate and was like this is just kind of a really silly list and so uh i'm just gonna have fun with it i was like that sounds great because i don't know if my list is good or not so (laughs) (laughs) Um, but again like everybody was super friendly and really helpful when it came to helping me through the rules and uh, that ended up being a draw. It was a scoreless draw because neither one of us could break through the lines. Uh, my next game was the fastest war game I've ever played in my life. I played against two uh, of the Oliphants, the Mumakil, the big, big giant elephant boys. Nice. And yeah, it was cool to have them on the table, uh, but it was not cool for my models. They they got <laughs> beat up pretty bad. Got stomped uh, out, huh? Yes, yes I did. Because it was a night fight mission, and so you basically couldn't shoot beyond a certain range. And the Mumakil was able to kind of stop, you know, a quarter inch out of that range, and then the next turn be able to charge. And once Mm -hmm. the Mumakil charged, they kind of have a rule where it's like, if they hit, they'll they'll stop the charge at the first model they touch. They'll roll to kill it, and it's, you know, pretty easy for them to kill it. and if they kill that model, they then subsequently automatically charge the next closest model and then the next closest model and the next closest model until they fail to kill a model. Oh, my word. <laughs> yeah. And they just basically go on this marauding stampede. And so I could never shoot at it. Then he got in and it was basically like in two turns, he just mowed down my whole army, just stomping on him with giant elephant feet. And uh, I, had nothing, I had no answers. I couldn't stop it. And so the game so was how long did that game last? I honestly think it was over in like 15 to 20 minutes. Wow, it's pretty quick. Amazing. Uh, yeah, it was funny though. And he was, he was like, I'm sorry. Like I've never seen them, you know, kill that many without, you know, failing. <laughs> and I'd say, hey, it's fine. You know, what are you going to do? Um, but it was kind of a fun thing to watch. Cause it was literally just watch these two giant elephants just smash into my line and then wreak chaos. 
And That's so, amazing. Yeah. And so that was like one of those moments where it wasn't necessarily a feel good moment, but it was definitely not a feel bad moment. You were just kind of like, oh, all right. Well, you're just impressed by the spectacle of it all, right? Right. And it was just kind of one of those things. Where I was like, I guess that's exactly what would happen if awesome. two elephants just charged into about 20 guys. So, yeah. Um, and that actually was really cool because that provided me some time to come and watch some of the other games, which was it's one of the ways I learn is by watching other people. And so it was kind of fun to watch some other guys play the game and kind of try to keep track of what they're doing. And that's when I got to see Gandalf face down with the Balrog, which was pretty mm. awesome. Uh, yeah, um, that would be really cool to see. Yeah, and so one of the neat things was there were kind of forked paths on the battle map, and so the good captain would kind of help the fellowship and the fellowship would choose their route. And so at one point, the fellowship had a choice of going to either the Gap of Rohan or through the mines. And of course, they went through the mines because why wouldn't you? Uh, of course, you would go through yeah. the mines. If you're going to do it, do it right and go through the mines. And so once they got down there, of course, a Balrog came out. And it was really fun. It was really thematic because it was basically like Gandalf had to sacrifice himself because he was the only one that could slow it down with his magic. And so there was a point where it was uh, the actual battle was Rohan versus goblins. Or actually, it was Rohan versus the Ruffians again. It was that Ruffian army of 90 models and a bunch Mm -hmm. of mounted Rohan. And so you had this really cool charge going on where the the horses were just plowing through these 90 you know squishy boys and the fellowship was trying to follow through but the balrog then was coming from behind and so gandalf had to get peel off and just kind of hold him off and i have this really great picture of you know one-on-one gandalf versus the balrog in the mines of moria and uh, <laughs> and that's when the fellowship squeaked away on that one and uh but we talked to the, the tournament organizer and uh, if they had gone through the Gap of Rohan, then Saruman would have kind of played that same role. Uh, wow. But they were, there was a perk. If they had gone through Rohan and survived, then one a member of the Fellowship would have been able to pick a mount and become a mounted character. Oh, cool. Is, yeah, which is pretty neat because, of course, like go to the land of the horse lords, get a horse. Uh, like, you get a horse. You get a horse. Everybody <laughs> gets a horse. And, um, but horses are super helpful uh, in the Lord of the Rings game as well. It makes your characters faster. It makes them stronger. It doubles their chances of hitting and doubles their mm-hmm. chances of doing damage. So it's um, it's pretty it's awesome. It's a big buff. It's a big yeah. buff. Yeah, and so if they'd gotten that and given it to like Aragorn, who's kind of a beat stick character, like it just makes him that much tougher. Uh, so for when I go to get my ring race at some point, having the mounted versions is a good thing. Yes, mounted, gooded, mounted, gooded. Good okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yes, definitely. And that was kind of one of the things I learned because uh, building my list, I would kind of bounce my ideas off of Jimmy because I didn't really know what I was doing. And Jimmy had played the game quite a bit mm-hmm. uh, in the past. And he was big on horses. And he was like, you definitely want to mount this character, want to mount this character. Uh, and when I could, I did. But I didn't really quite understand until I started playing. And then all those guys who were practically pro Lord of the Rings players were really like, yeah, this is why you want really to mount. Really heavy on mounts, yeah. Yeah, and like and this is how you do it, and this is how you negate a mount, and this is how you would fight against a mount, and blah, 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 blah. And so it was really, really a cool learning curve from there. And then there were supposed to be five games, uh, but we ended up stopping after four. My fourth game was uh, back in the village of Bree against a completely mounted Morgul knight army, which was fun. Oh, cool. Was, yeah, like they were super cool. It was a small model count. It was, I think, like, we had like 15 models um 
but they were all nasty, you know, pretty heavy armored, packed pretty heavy punch. Uh, they cause terror, which is awful because you basically have to, like in 40k terms, you'd have to take a leadership anytime you wanted to attack them. Oh, wow. If you failed your leadership test, then you just stood still. <laughs> and so uh, it, it definitely can throw a wrench in your plans at times. And that was a really interesting fight because the Bree board was the closest thing to like a city fight board they had. And so you had firing lanes and alleys and streets and whatnot. And uh, so I tried to set it up in the corner and make him come at me. And he was really coy with his movement. And it just got to a point where he was like, all right, I can't hide anymore. Like, I got to get in there. And so uh, the whole game ended up being fought. You know, there's this beautiful four by four board, and I think we fought in a one foot by one foot square on oh, the corner wow. of the table. We were both sitting over there, like on chairs and, and rolling dice in this little tiny corner. And one of the tournament organizer came over and he was like, What is happening over here? <laughs> That's cool. Yep, yep. But uh, after game four, well, about halfway through game four, the tournament organizer came over and he said that, uh, you know, that I forget what had happened, but basically it had become impossible for evil to to win the game like they couldn't catch us on points and mm-hmm. the uh, uh, there was a, some kind of situation where it was like it's never going to happen so we're just going to scratch game five because we're already a little behind and for this fourth game just have fun like it doesn't really matter for the points of the the team event and so at that point the good guys had won the day and i was a good guy didn't do much helping i did get the fellowship off the table in game one uh but beyond that just kind of had a fun learning curve experience. Met a lot of really nice nerds, and uh, it was a it was a plus. It was a good time. That's awesome. It sounds like you had a really great time. I, you know, definitely sparked some interest for at least two of us. Jared, I think, already has some stuff, but um, you know, to get some more games in and hopefully get to play with you and your Lord of the Rings toys that you spent so much time painting <laughs> over the time um, going leading up to the event. Um, I'm gonna make a break here, Jared. Yep. You talked to J. You talked to Jimmy and yeah, Danny already about the other one, right? Yeah. But okay. you can just cut it and just say, "Hey, we'll so take just, a break and we'll be right back." Okay. So I just put a little cut in for this little part at 41 minutes. Yep. <clears throat> well, awesome, Danny. I'm glad that you uh, had a good time and. Um, Look forward to hearing more about that game, and hopefully we can get some games in with you. Yeah, uh, we're I gonna... love that. It's super yeah. fun, and it's it was. I think you guys would enjoy it. It's a. I'm never gonna ask him to do invest in a game with me, but if you wanted to, I would not be mad about playing more. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks. Um, we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a minute. Wow, and we're back. That was like we were just talking like 30 seconds ago. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> wow, way to break the fourth wall, buddy. I know, right? It's good radio right there. It is, it is. So in this segment, we want to actually include Danny in our hey. Nova journey. Because in, 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 I was there too, guys. You were? <laughs> no, you definitely were. And uh, once again, we are joined by Jimmy, your partner in crime, as you guys just kept walking to deliver some ring to some fire, I don't know, like little hobbits running around. No, on your 
Lord of the Rings miniature battle game experience. Did I get that? Wow, you really messed that up. Oh, did I? Damn. Middle Earth strategy battle game. Oh, gosh. I I wanted to make it longer. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Jimmy and Danny took part in the doubles event um, of Lord of the Rings at Nova. So, how did that, guys, how did that go for you? But more importantly, the lead up, I think, was exciting for Jimmy. Was it not? This is so exciting. So exciting. I, I like I guess I could see nothing, nothing aside from a bunch of Rohan horses and their horses' asses over and over and over again, panning them till my eyes bled. It was <laughs> I got a text like on the Tuesday before Nova. Like I've got all of my stuff packed. And I get a text from Jimmy and he's like, So true to the narrative, Gondor's been ready for months. And the men of Rohan are getting their last second. And it's a picture of like 10 half painted horses. I was like, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> We're going to get there for Pelnor Field. <laughs> We're going to show up, save the day right on you time. You made it. You made it. Made it. I mean, half assed, but made it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're painting up to the last minute. But was that because you guys were like working on list construction or just because you procrastinated purely on my end, purely procrastinated. (laughs) So a lot of time talking about lists, but I don't think that kept either one of us away from doing what we were supposed to do. (laughs) So walk us through the list. Like how did you guys, I mean, obviously Lord of the Rings, it's good versus evil. So you, you know, you're kind of picking a side and then picking factions from there, but how did you guys come up with your list? What was your list? Well, I think it started because I asked Jimmy if he wanted to play, because I knew that Jimmy had played this game historically and uh, was always kind of talking about how good it was. And I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan, and I had uh, my wife had just finished reading the books for the first time, and so to celebrate, we watched the movies. And watching the movies, I was like, man, I forgot how good these movies are, and I forgot how freaking cool, like, the men of Gondor are. And then I was like, there's a game where I could paint a bunch of miniatures that are the Gondor guys. And even if I never play it, I've just got a cool army of Gondor. Let me call Jimmy and see if he wants to play this at Nova. And Jimmy, luckily, put some of his Underworld's time aside for me and was like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Because I was like, Gondor, do you want to do Rohan? And I'm pretty sure Jimmy said, yeah. (laughs) Little did he know to be staring at horses' asses. <laughs> That's all right. it, it, it was all it was all worth it in the end. And you already had those miniatures, didn't you? They were just sitting there in a box. I have so many miniatures sitting in a box. Actually, <laughs> makes me really <laughs> sad. <laughs> makes me really sad. But uh, yeah, I I have um uh I have so many Lord of the Rings miniatures. Uh, I think I was trying to sell you a few not too long ago, but um. I have a lot of them that are painted. Um, it just so happens I hadn't had many um, Rohan uh, models painted. Uh, but I loved the idea when Danny brought it up, like that yeah, he wanted to do uh, the doubles tournament. And, and we were talking like, oh, well, you know, what do you want to play? And we agreed that let's definitely do something thematic. And, uh, and you know, he said that he wanted to play Gondor. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'll play, uh, I'll play Rohan. So uh that that's one of the great things about the game it's, it's a well-constructed game rules wise for sure uh and a lot of fun to play but 
um, you know, for all of us, you know, nerds who are, I'm sure, huge fans of the setting and of Lord of the Rings and have been so for a long time. Uh, seeing those models on the table and and playing it out is, is a lot of fun. So I, I'm really a sucker for the thematic elements of the game. So wasn't certainly not, I don't think Danny or I had any interest in, you know, finding out what was good or what wasn't good. We just wanted to play something that was, you know, thematic and a lot of fun and a lot of fun to look at. So, uh, and we had a great time doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Like the only strategy we went into it was, I was like, I'll play the anvil. You play the hammer because the Gondor army is pretty heavy defense and with the Rohan all being horses, they can do lots of damage. So I was like, let let me sit back with some siege weapons, and you just beat them up from behind. And I don't think that ever happened in any of our games, but that was the plan. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It, it, it actually it worked somewhat. Uh, I think in the third game, right? A little bit, anyways. But uh, it, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. But, yeah. So was this a straight like doubles like? no holds barred tournament or was it more narrative like what was the event set up like uh it was it was competitive but it wasn't like cut your teeth competitive by any means uh there were some people that were in it to win it but like we played some cool people that were like hey we're new to the game too and then we played some other cool people that are like we just wanted an excuse to paint a bunch of camels uh <laughs> and so um so you kind of had a really interesting mix, but it was scored like a normal tournament and there was a whole like major victory, minor victory scoring system and stuff. So I guess at the heart of it, it was a competitive event, but the community, the community, I don't think took it particularly seriously. Yeah. I think the, um, the real, uh, serious gamers, which oh, there were plenty there for, for this game. Uh, I think it's the largest, uh, Lord of the Rings set of tournaments in the United States, actually. Um, and I think the folks that were coming there to be competitive, uh, saved that for the a grand tournament on Saturday. Uh, and, and they certainly brought all their best stuff for that. But yeah, to Danny's point, I think the doubles event was, was more friendly and people were trying to win, of course, but it was, um, it was just more of a fun vibe. Um, and, and speaking of, uh, Nova having the kind of largest tournaments for, uh, Lord of the Rings in the country, uh, they, certainly have the best terrain because yes the terrain there at nova for lord of the rings is some of the best uh miniature wargaming terrain i have ever seen anywhere uh it is incredible it's all very thematic each table is different they they often take inspiration from actual scenes in the different movies or in books um and uh and just the the tender loving care applied to all of that scenery uh, really, I mean, it, it makes it so much more fun to play on. And then we, we certainly had a blast. I mean, it was actually when Danny first called me to ask if I wanted to play Nova. Um, I remember thinking, you know, maybe years ago when I was at Nova for different events, like, man, I, I would love to play on this terrain. Like one, it's a great game, but two, I just w- want to play this terrain at some point. So it was a, uh, even more of an impetus for me to um, jump on board with Danny. Yeah, it was mind-blowing. The first game I played there was set up in, in Brie, and it looked like Brie from the movie. Like, it was – they had in signs on the doors and everything. Like, And so you had a little little mix-up because you had, like, the Prancing Pony, which is, you know, 
you know, a heart of Brie, but then it was like off on the edge. So come on, they're not perfectly ge- geographic, but uh, no, in all seriousness, so they were wonderful tables, like insanely detailed and literally every iconic location that you can think of from Lord of the Rings, there was a table for it. Uh, I'm sure you told the TO that, right? You clarified yeah. that with him? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, guys, you gotta, you gotta get this right for next year. It, it, it's really good. Someone has their eye on the ball, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not having it. Thank God. <laughs> They are, I mean, walking through that hall out of all the tables, to your point, they are the most impressive tables because it's not like 40K where it's just kind of like line of sight blocking. These are, when you think of a diorama or a miniature scene, you know, like I'm sure we've all seen those movies where they have, uh, you know, the Confederates against the North and and like kind of a Civil War style, like layout type in movies. Um the, this has that feel, right, with the, with the boards. So you guys are right on par. I, I'm very envious that you got to play on such thematic um, tables. I definitely get it. It's, it was such a – some of the things that I really liked about it is you know, they, you'd get your table number and you were genuinely excited to see what table it was, not because you're like, oh, God, I, I hope I don't get this crappy table. It's like, which one of these awesome tables am I going to get? Oh, yeah. yeah. And there were like 40 of them, right? Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, it crazy. Yeah, yeah. And every yeah. single one of them was awesome. Like, yeah. Like, I think we, we ended up deferring and not playing on our last table, but it was still a cool table. It was just yeah. that it was like, it was pretty it, flat and open. So we were like, just Let's a, try different. And there was another one that was just cool, even cooler, right? I mean, uh, yeah. yeah. But we were, because we ended up playing on the Ammonhem table, right? Yeah. And it was literally constructed from like the scene from the movie. It was awesome. Yeah. And like, the one that we passed on was the Dead Marshes, which had little burning candles and everything like it was cool but it was like but what about this one what's even cooler <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and i mean jimmy you've made some some elaborate 40k tables um yourself i mean like how like 40 of those like that has to that's a labor of love right it, it is i mean so much of a labor a labor of love and i i um man like when i see all those tables I have to give, I guess, credit to the, the local community there because it's not just um, you know building all those, but then they have to break them down and store them somewhere. I mean, I don't know, you know, if it's a storage unit that they all kind of uh, share, or if it's just if someone just has like a massive basement, or uh, I don't know. But uh, a couple of gaming stores nearby, you know, hold it there and make sure no one touches it so it doesn't get damaged over the course <laughs> of a year. Like it. I don't, yeah, you know, like, I don't, I don't know how they do it, but. Uh, um yeah the the amount of work that went into those was was awesome yeah yeah well i think we've gushed about the tables but you know as you pointed out it being one of the largest or the largest u.s tournament for lord of the rings you guys got to do something really cool with rules you want to jump into that yeah it was pretty neat right at the start the the TO kind of got up on the table and was like, all right, so a lot of you have been bugging me for the last few weeks because there's, you know, some incomplete rules in the rule packet and there's uh, no scenarios listed. And you were all asking, what scenarios are you going to do? And he's like, and I couldn't tell you because I didn't know what they were because you're going to play test these brand new Games Workshop doubles rules. And then the lead game designer of the Middle Earth Strategy Battle Game stood up and was like, yeah, here you go. This is a whole bunch of scenarios designed specifically for doubles gaming, uh, and we want your feedback after this. And just handed out all these packets. It was awesome. Oh, it was so cool. Like the whole, 
I mean, the whole group, there were probably, you know, I don't know, 80 people there. They all just started cheering. It was a lot of fun. It was, it was super cool. Yeah, it set the whole thing off on a really great atmosphere because everybody just was like, all right, well, screw it. You know, like I'm I'm not doing the stuff that I always know. Like I'm, I'm trying something new. And, and it just kind of, I think, created a really good vibe in the hall, too. You think you guys are going to get your name in the next rule book? I pointed out something, so they better credit me. <laughs> yeah, at the very least in the illustrations in the rule book they'll get the location of the prancing pony right that's that's all i'm asking <laughs> <laughs> but no it was, and like it was actually i don't know we actually i never actually talked about this jimmy but i thought the design of the the scenarios that we played was really cool oh yeah i, I thought it was great and i think they um and it made me happy to see um that they were able to kind of find a good way to create a doubles format within the rules of the game that, that seemed fun and also balanced. I thought it was a, yeah, I thought the whole thing was, was great. And it, it, it really forced us to kind of you know, talk about strategy and then um, same thing with our opponents and um, created for a really kind of dynamic environment. And it wasn't just, uh, Oh, Hey, put your model here, put your model there and just run to the middle. There were a lot of different objectives. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And, this is not a knock on the 40k doubles, but when it was compared to like a community made doubles event, like the professional games workshop scenarios were incredible. Like it, it just showed you what can be done when that, when games workshop and any, you know, big game studio decides to put their mind to, to designing something like that. It's impressive. Like it was just, it was so different from any kind of doubles thing that I'd ever played before. Cool. I, the the other question I have about doubles, like with Lord of the Rings, like how like, could you end up by playing evil versus evil in a double in the doubles event? Yeah, so like uh, so from what I understand, and I'm still pretty new to the game, so you can correct me if you know Jimmy, but I think in like a, a lot I, of I don't know either, no worries. <laughs> but a lot of like GT situations, I think you are expected to bring a good warband and an evil warband, and depending on where you draw, like on what side of the bracket, like you could be changing from game to game, which one of those armies you're playing as. Um, but in this doubles, I think it was just kind of random luck. And I think we, we never, pl- we always played evil all three of our games. And I don't think that that was necessarily planned. I think that just kind of happened because they definitely paired people. Like when we lost our first game and they, we played somebody who lost and then we played somebody who was one in one, like we were in the third game. So they're definitely matching you up based off of your, your wins. So I'd imagine like if two evil teams were the two top teams, they would have played each other. Yes, correct. Sweet. So you guys actually won a game, like walk me through that. Wow. Uh, So that was our second game. Our first game. Let's just, let's start. The first game we got rolled. (laughs) We just, we got annihilated. annihilated. Yeah. Uh, So, So the hammer and anvil did not work. No, we well. It, the it, thing it was, was like it was more like two wet noodles, like <laughs> each other. the thing was like to to our credit, and I said throughout the whole game, I was like, I think we played that as best as we could. Like we really did everything we could, uh, including cheating, um, <laughs> to, to try to win that game. Um, You're not cheating, you ain't trying, right? <laughs> but uh, the we we came up against a bit of a buzzsaw. They had a really synergized list that was basically designed to just leak your entire army of 
of heroes, like just basically neutralize your heroes. And once your heroes go down, you're kind of SOL to begin with. Yeah, they, uh, they have a lot of. They started out with two ring race, the the Witch King, and then um, one of the other named ring race, and then had four or five other regular warrior rights. models. Yeah, that, that basically could also cast spells too. And whenever you uh, resist spells, you do it. From, uh, heroes do it from a limited pool of of will points, and uh, just with the the totality of the amount of spells that could launch at you. It really, uh, they they paralyzed your heroes over the course of the game, and it just so happened that um, that scenario was, I mean, really the ultimate victory condition was how many models your uh, leader, your uh, warlord, could kill. So he's a hero. So they they basically just kind of just paralyzed our heroes and you know did whatever they wanted. But um, and to Danny's point, I think we played it as as well as we could have. Um, but uh, but yeah, they they were. Very good players. Oh, one of the guys certainly was. I think he, um, I think Danny, you mentioned, I think in the day before the event prior, he was like the the captain of the evil team um, yeah. for like the, the, the narrative event. And he was a great guy and, and helped us out throughout the uh, throughout the game and, you know, gave us advice. It, it was a very friendly match. But, yeah, we just we were <laughs> we were beaten, soundly beaten before we put models on the table. So it was yeah. but, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was one of those things where it was like at one point he was like, you want to do this. But I'm just telling you now, like, you've already lost. Like, he was like, you, know, you want to do this and you want to do that because that's the smart thing to do and I'll help you out. But, like, like you can stop it for now, but you're not going to stop it the whole game. So <laughs> just prepare yeah. yourself for yeah. getting it in the face. Yeah, he, he kind of acknowledged that that was probably – the build they were playing was probably the most difficult build to play against, period, that, that we were going to see all day. So uh, yeah. they, they just said, you know, build something pretty nice. And although uh, – you know, we we certainly had some you know counters in our list. You know, I think the Rohan Royal Guard. You know, the fact that they ignored uh, Courage Test was helpful for us, and that kind of put a wrench in our spokes. So, you know, there are some things that we did that, uh, in general that in our our list provided us with some tools to you know get some things done. But yeah, it was um <laughs> they they certainly uh, played pretty well. Yeah, and like we didn't take their bait on a couple of things. Like we we played it pretty cagey and pretty well. It just was like we had nothing to really answer all of their questions. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but so then, yeah, we lost that one, moved into the second game. And that one was, it was like capture the flag. Um, but you started on opposite corners of each other. So like my side of the table was me and then one of my opponents. And then Jimmy's side was Jimmy and the other opponent. Yeah, and it's like playing was, cornhole. Yeah, yeah. And like, oh. and so like, you were just kind of all in each other's business from the start and you were all scrambling for this flag in the middle. But since you were set up on opposite corners, you didn't have that just kind of like wave crush into the middle. You had a lot of kind of like trying to outmaneuver each other. And, and so like Jimmy and I basically just focused on trying to, to pick on one corner and to stay away from another corner that had a lot of range. And so you had this kind of cat and mouse thing that was going on and I was hiding behind hills to try to draw out a unit so that I could counter charge and um and that was that was against a father-son duo that were really new to the game and I think also at that point uh Jimmy and I had a few beverages um that were (laughs) that was the best decision we made all day (laughs) yeah that that totally uh eased the tension after the the whooping that we took in the first game um and so that was fun because it was just kind of like, hey, like we're just here partying. I, I had my favorite line of the weekend was the the son of that group 
he he sees me like pop up from under the table with two beers and he goes oh well we have water i was gonna offer him but i don't think you guys are really into that right now <laughs> <laughs> and it was like no we are not <laughs> uh, yeah they were great guys i know um and certainly the uh the 12 pack helped helped morale for sure yeah right? after the after the first game yeah uh, but that one was, uh, I think, our our best game strategy-wise. Like, I think because you had – we actually pulled off the hammer and anvil in that game because I was able to kind of just hold a line while Jimmy just outflanked with the horsies and ran through his his troops. And then I, that basically made it so that I could then move my secondary guys onto the objective, and we won that pretty heavily. I think we won it like 17 to nothing or something yeah. like that. Even though I uh, totally forgot that if a mounted model wins a combat, you knock the opponent to the ground and get double strikes for wounds. Oh, you didn't do like, that? I didn't do that that entire game. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> so, so we uh, the third game, which we'll get to in a second. Um, th- those guys were awesome too, and they kind of reminded me of that rule. And um, and I was like, oh, and I was like, man, these mounted models are way better now. <laughs> <laughs> totally worth the points now. Totally worth staring at asses. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, third game. Third game, we went into it, and the, at that point, the tournament was uh, it was a little behind schedule, and Jimmy had was it the it was the night before finals, right, for Underworlds? I think so. Yeah. No. No. It was uh, it was Friday. It was Friday, so I think okay. it was. But but yeah, like uh, Underworld started at eight p.m. and um, we were probably going to go over a little bit. So uh, you know um, the. Uh, I left it up to Danny, but Danny was, you know, I mean, Danny just wants to play and have fun, which is awesome. And um, uh, was he was totally cool with us kind of telling them that if we don't finish, that you know, we'll just kind of give them the uh, give them the win because uh, it wouldn't be fair for like me to leave like with you know ten minutes left in the round and uh, you know us to kind of, kind of leave them hanging like that. So uh, and we were cool with that, and they were cool with that. So we just had a great time. Yeah, like, and they were they really were trying to get us to just play it straight they're like hey like whenever you got to go that's just when we'll call it but we didn't really think that was fair to them and so we told them right from the start it was like hey just like you get a win like you're gonna win this yeah. one yeah. Uh, because we're gonna have to forfeit at the end um and they were actually so nice about it that when like when we called it we did run the score and i think we were ahead at that point and so they were like well we'll just take a minor victory since you know like like instead of being like, Hey, yeah, we're just going to blow you out and get a free, you know, forfeit. They're like, we'll just take a minor victory. And, uh, and so that actually ended up, you know, helping us a little bit on the overall scores. Sure. Um, Cause we didn't take a big thumping, but those guys were super nice and they had talk about display boards. They had oh God. a killer display board. <laughs> they, so they had a display board on wheels. They were carting around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good, and, and, and big, this display board was, it was, um, so they're, uh, their army was uh, Herad themed, so Herad and Haradrin. So they didn't have a Mumakil, but they had just kind of all the they had uh, uh, dudes on camels, and they had all the the dudes with the poison arrows and poison blow darts and stuff like that on on foot. And they had probably about geez, they probably had sixty some models, right? Yeah. And they had a display board as probably. I would say three feet by three feet. There's like this this rock wall, like with the same kind of um sand colored tone from like you know the the canyon from like indiana jones and the last crusade and like then they had like banners hanging from the canyon wall and like all the models it was it was 
awesome. We, we took a picture of it. It was it was yeah. so impressive. And and they were right in our boat too because like we were drinking the beer and they're like, well, we have Coronas and limes, so if you run out, like <laughs> we can all party together. <laughs> and so uh, everybody was having fun in that one, and it was and that was another. I think that was my favorite mission setup of the doubles, though. Yeah. Um, and that was it, a lot of fun. Yeah, it basically like you had two like six inch deployment zones that were side by side in the middle of the table and so like you and your opponent were in each other's face and then your partner and your opponent's partner were on the ends of the board and so you basically had a setup where it was like on one end of the board you had your enemy in the middle of the board you had you right next to you in the middle of the board you had your other enemy and then on the other end of the board you had your partner and so you had this kind of like mayhem in the middle and then these reinforcements arriving and the way that both of our armies set up, uh, we put the two foot armies in the middle and then you had the two cavalry armies arriving from the wings and it was just, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was so fun. And, uh, it, it was, that, that was, uh, that, that game was a total blast. I think cause the, the, um, the attitude, you know, the both, you know, both teams had, and, you know, we had well-painted models on the table and it was, uh, it was just a ton of fun. Yeah, yeah that, definitely. That was the game that I walked up onto to see how you guys were doing. And that the way you're describing the deployments to the listeners, like it looked because they had cavalry and you had cavalry. And then like the foot loggers were both in the middle for both armies. So it's like, you almost had this scrum, and then the cavalry was charging to like join the fight. It looked it it looked really really cool. So and it was cool because like you could, like we kind of set it up to just bash it out. Like you could have set up really cagey and set up on the opposite like lateral ends within your deployment strips and could have been far apart from each other. But we were both like, no, screw that. Like let's get in it. Like let's get stuck in. And. Uh, and it just created this like mayhem in the middle. And it, I think it made a lot of really interesting strategic decisions for uh, for Jimmy and his opposite. Because it was like, well, do I just try to loop around and get in support of my guys or try to sandwich? Do I let them get sandwiched? Like, it was an interesting setup. Well, Jimmy, just so you know, whenever you have that choice again, you just sandwich Danny. He likes it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have we, to be gentle. No, 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 no. We have our spoon set up already. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, it all sounds a lot of fun, and more importantly for me, to listen to you guys talk about it. It was the relaxed attitude, and almost, in almost kind of like a historical setting, right? Like it's, it's more about the immersion of the setting than it was about the actual win or loss. So I'm, it sounds really cool and. Um, glad you guys enjoyed it. Jared, I know, I, I'm pretty sure, I think you have a Lord of the Rings army, right? I have some minis, yeah. So we had talked before, I have like three heroes and some archers and dudes in kilts and dudes with halberds. And it sounds like Jimmy and Danny may be in for this again. Or, or, do I see us going down the Lord of the Rings path? <laughs> I think it could happen. I will say I definitely bought some more Lord of the Rings miniatures when I was at the event, so I am hooked. I I, I I've said it before and I've I've said it you know in private, but I did really appreciate that Jimmy took time out of because I know there was a lot of prep for Underworlds, and it, it did mean a lot to me that he was like, hey, I'll have fun with the the 
the kid that just wants to have fun. Like, <laughs> I'll take time away from my competitive thing to just kind of entertain this. And it was a ton of fun. The community around that game was super fun. You had people with like banners and flags and everybody was cheering and having a good time. And it, it reminded me a lot personally of like that first time you walk into a war game store and you just see people like enjoying the game. And like, I don't think you see that enough anymore. You know, you see people really struggling with the game or complaining about the game or whatever, but like, this was just kind of unbridled joy and passion for the project. I thought. Yeah, no. And, and, and same thing here, man. I, I was actually, uh, I was super happy to uh, play this game with you uh, at Nova and it whenever I play with you, it helps kind of remind me that exact point where, um, you know, in the end, you know, it's a, it's a game of toy soldiers, right? You're doing it to have fun. I can sometimes get stuck in the competitive mode too much and lose sight of that a little bit. So, uh, you know, thanks for uh, thanks for picking me up out of the ditch and uh, you know, dusting me off a little bit. And, and I appreciate it. Well, I'd say Yingling did that, but I'll take credit. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> For you, Jimmy, being the like you were big into Lord of the Rings for for a long time, right? Like you played uh, quite often. Like, did this revitalize the game for you? Like, is it something that you think you're going to continue on here in the next weeks, months? I mean, I would love to. I think the biggest thing has always been, um, you know, finding people to play with. You know, if I was in the DC area where they have a massive community. Uh, I'd probably be more involved, but you know, now that you guys are going to be playing more here, yeah, I'd love to. I think uh, I certainly certainly have most of the models at this point. Uh, and if, if before you guys buy any new ones, please call me first. But, uh, <laughs> sure um, thing. Uh, but but yeah, I think um, it's it's a great game. I think it's from a before Underworlds came out from a rules perspective, by far GW's best design game. And I think uh, uh, one of the things I I love about it is that in if people are used to stuff like 40k or um you know either or age of sigmar or other types of games a lot of those games have big swingy moments and that's that's totally fine like, like war machine like big swingy moments big combos and a lot of people are very into that that's great um that can create just for very swingy game experiences though right and lord of the rings to its credit so if you're into that lord of the rings is not that um but what Lord of the Rings does offer is because there aren't these like huge, crazy, massive combos or, you know, deep striking like a unit of 15 models in and just wiping something off the table type stuff. Dumping a bucket of dice. Yeah, like, dumping, exactly. They don't have that type of, those type of mechanics in there. It's all kind of rolling one dice at a time and, you know, small interactions between, you know, models that are more evenly balanced. Um, all the games are close. So that's one of the really fun things. Even in a game that, like our first game, uh, you know, Danny and I still felt we were in it for for a lot of it, right? I mean, probably maybe that was his ignorance. Maybe we really had no chance. Yeah. That, but, but we kind of felt like we were in it because, um, uh, again, you still you don't have those like you know curb stomp, table flipping moments. Everything's just from a game design perspective, it's all really uh, relatively balanced. Like you can bring, you know, an army of three massive models versus an army of like fifty small models, and that's it. it ends up being pretty balanced in a close game. So uh, it's not like 40K where you just have someone bringing in like, you know, an army of five knights and then the other person has no way of dealing with it. So 
um, you know, the whole thing is just is well designed and it's a lot of fun. And, you know, one of the things that Danny and I talked about doing, you know, over the course of the next year or so is, you know, trying to get some more of the thematic games in, like playing some fellowship games and having sort of a ladder campaign with that. Uh, you know, that'll be that'll be a lot of fun because they have a lot of great scenarios that kind of that mirror all the uh, activity from the books and the movies. Yeah, definitely. That's and like there's a really fun depth to the rule book that is really exciting to me because it reminds me of like old school 40k where you would open up the book and it's like all right here's your main rules but then here's a rule for like if you light a flamer into a, 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 a like a pillbox or like here's a rule for climbing across toxic rivers and like in the middle earth rule book there's all that stuff and like we even had it come up in one of the games where it's like if you knock somebody prone in water like they could drown you know and like and that's just kind of a fun layer that adds to the game that it's leaving me in a position where it's like there's still so much about this game that i don't know and that's exciting not uh scary that's cool and you know that sounds very you know like in depth um but it from my understanding is it plays really easily right so even though there's that granularity to the rule set it's a very easy game to to grasp and play very easy very easy mechanics yep well great uh i thank you guys for sharing your i can't say the title of the game again but so lord of the rings doubles event at (laughs) middle earth strategy battle game there you go it's the reason we keep you around so (laughs) so fantastic thanks you guys and we'll be back in a moment Thank you. Thanks. And we're back, and uh, that'll round us out for uh, for this episode. Um, you know, we're coming to the close of the first season. You know, finishing up our Nova wrap up. Uh, we especially want to say thanks to Jimmy for for taking some time out of his busy schedule, uh, especially with the baby uh, so close. Um, for being on the show so thanks jimmy yeah thanks guys um and uh it's always a pleasure and you know i'm sure we'll see you around locally um you know once you build up some more of that marriage equity which is just such a perfect phrase for kind of balancing life and games um may take a while but you know yeah, I'll, I'll, okay. be, I'll be around at some point oh yeah I'll peek out of my hole. Yeah. Take out a loan, man. It's fine. Yeah. Take out a loan, yeah. No, do not take out a loan. No. <laughs> Build it up first. Yeah. Don't spend money you don't have, right? That's like Economics 101. <laughs> so with the marriage equity in mind, uh, we do want to plug the uh, the Dallas Grand Clash. So it's at the Citadel. It's their anniversary weekend. So it's uh, September 29th. It's the Sunday um, it is, I think we got the, the schedule confirmed now, right? It's 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Is that right? Mm-hmm. As far as I know, yes. Okay, that's what we've been told. Um, so, I don't know. It's probably like 99.9% certain that I will not be there. But uh, if you are in or around the Dallas area and you want to push for that one more Grand Clash with the Season 1 cards still available, um, I think this is probably going to be your last opportunity because as we found out this weekend, uh, pre-order for uh, Beastgrave is on the 21st. Happy birthday to me. And then mm-hmm. we'll be released on the 28th. So um, 
Yep, yeah, this so, will be the last Grand Clash with the season one and two. Yep. So uh, I know, man. Where does it all go? Right out the window. Jesus. <laughs> this episode, That's man. Too many, <laughs> too many <laughs> early 2000s song references. Yep. Maybe like the too- Peter Parker of this group tonight. Just referencing. I'm okay everything. with that. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Those new wolves um, models are here to steal your time. That's what they're here for. Your babies and your time. <laughs> the dingoes. Mm-hmm. All right, we're done. I'm not even going to close the rest of the show out. This is it. We'll just stop here. No. So uh, for the Battle Mallet podcast, we are uh, three dads, an almost dad, and we'll give credit where credit is due, a man of Gondor. Hey. So this is Jared signing out. This is Trace signing out. Danny signing out. This is Jason Table Murray. Oh my god, I can't even say my name tonight. The Nargles. Get the hell out of here. Peace. podcast is protected under the creative commons license if you have further questions as to its use you can find more information via links on podcast.battle-mallet.com music by anno domini beats sweet I had to jump on it fast because I knew Jason was going to be a dick about it. (laughs)